Excala babes and Excala bros. Welcome to the next episode of uh, Excalibros. Uh, <laughs> I'm one of your commentating uh, bros, Georgie, and on the line with me we have... The commentating babe, um, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> Dan. <laughs> I have to be, clearly. Um, it's the only way it works. Right, right. So, <laughs> I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad that all worked out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so today, on today's uh, episode, we're going to be going over uh, three issues. We've got uh, Exiles number six from 2001. Got Excalibur number five from the 1988 series, and we have Exiles number four uh, yep. that came out. I want to say two weeks ago. Uh, now, maybe three weeks ago. Um, so we got, uh, three great, great, you know, spoiler alert, three interesting stories to, to get into, Dan. So let's, let's jump into Exiles number six from 2001. And maybe you want to let us know what's on the front cover. Well, it is Mimic and Blink Smooching. And if you're like us, gentle listeners, you'll only just notice about 10 seconds before talking about it, that there's a banner in the background. <laughs> different faces um people who are in the book i assume you know there, there are some people in that banner that are important to the story and some people who don't even make an appearance in this issue pretty much let's see if i can name them um from left to right uh sasquatch i assume is that big fairy face yep that's cyborg deadpool mm-hmm. one-eye puck mm-hmm um, Cyclops, <laughs> the guy with the visor. Yeah, I don't know who that one is. Um, I'm gonna say that one is either North Star or Guardian, because the weird star on his head. Yeah, uh, sure, random dude. We'll go with that. Random dude. Okay. Um, Shaman and uh, Sabertooth. Yep, yep, yep. There we go. Um, and I want to say, like the last issue, I did not really enjoy uh, the cover at all. Uh, this this cover is done pretty nicely, I, I have to say. Yeah, it's actually quite nice. It's a shame it has nothing to do with anything inside the book. Nope, not at uh, all. No, but talking about last issue, last issue, did we have anyone respond to our um, query of naming all of the random people in that one panel? Jason did uh, send us his thoughts, and this is quite a while ago, but he had a lot of interesting um, interesting ideas there. Uh, so thank you very much, Jason, for jumping on and winning that no prize. <laughs> Being the only contestant. Yes. <laughs> Which in, its, in itself is also a no prize. So, so for this issue... Um, we have Scribe, not writer, but Scribe, Judd Winnick. Guest pencils by Jay Calafiore. Inks by Eric Cannon with McKenna. With McKenna, no, no, I don't know, is McKenna like a first and last name, like Prince with McKenna? And, then maybe uh, it's brand of chocolate, who knows? <laughs> and colors by Transparency Digital. Letters by Sharp Font, Paul Tutron. Tutrone. Let me do that again. Letters by Sharp 
Sharp, Sharp's font? Sharp's font? Sharpe font? <laughs> what is going on here? Sharp fonts <laughs> Paul Tutrone. I am not editing that. You're going to have that all in this glory. Is that a DJ? Is, is this book made by musicians? <laughs> also, is this the time where Jadwinik is like one of those actors that just wants to be an and in a film? Because Scribe, I feel like he's getting a bit above his station. Mm. Yeah. I'm the writer. I'm a scribe now. <laughs> it's like, okay. It's like some... It's like a terrible class from, from D&D, like, <laughs> I'm a knight, I'm a paladin, I'm an elf archer, I'm a scribe. I'm a scribe. <laughs> I exclusively write comic books. <laughs> Minus free initiative. Anyway, um, <laughs> so we open on this really interesting, I don't, right, I'm going to say this straight away, I have good and bad things to say about this artwork. I feel like it's, it's I, a step up from last week. Uh, I agree. Yeah. Um, this Hulk mm. looks okay. Mm. I, I don't like the fact... There's a, there's a part of me that just doesn't like it when saliva merges with teeth to make it look like a web in the mouth. Right. Um, but my main gripe with it is... And we had this... Mm, it's sort of the the digital coloring because I, I the white the faded white on the green I know it's supposed to be sunlight, mm-hmm. but it sort of doesn't work because of the simple fact that the rest of the sort of background has no actual tonage right. to it at all. So um, yeah, I just don't know. I just didn't. It's an okay picture. I just don't like it. But anyway, yeah, yeah it's we fine. Up, we open on the Hulk, and it's actually a picture of a Hulk on a screen because Morph and Not Turn are on classic Justice League um, what you call it, duty monitor duty and uh, they are bored out of her tiny little minds or in Morph's case big bum heads Yep. Uh, um, a lot of fart jokes, a lot of toilet humour um, yep. we, we get to see that these two characters don't really get along so well, not that they're like upset with each other but there's no romance going on between them no, it's just snark. A yeah. lot of snark. A lot of snark. It worked. I, I like, kind of like the way they play with each other. Oh, no, 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 no. I agree. Um, my, uh, I really like the picture of, um, with Lou Brush in hand, uh, Morph and Wolverine in the background, just because I like the um, sort of proportions of it all. Oh, yeah. Um, because Wolverine is listening in on what they're talking about, and Nocturne drops the bomb that uh, only the exiles have known about, which is... If they don't help, all of our fight will die. And you know, pesky Wolverine, super healing, super healing. Well, it's and pesky. hearing, and hearing. It's all pesky because it's Wolverine. Sorry, Jason. Um, he overhears it all, so he's like, "Tell me what's happening." And then we cut to um, that is just like super casual uh, blink and super armored mimic. And I, at first, I didn't know what was going on here. Because basically, Blink's basically telling Mimic that he shouldn't really go out oh, in yeah. the field. It's every time he goes out, he'll um, just get sick because of the radiation he absor- he'll absorb when he mimics the Hulk by accident. Um, and he's like, oh, this arm is awesome. And then uh, <laughs> the dude behind him just rips his metal arms off uh, to prove a point. And apparently they've been doing it all day because the background is just full of liquid. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yep. And that's box, so we that, know is that that is box. box. 
Definitely that's, box. That's a great name. <laughs> Does he turn into a box? Because mm. that would make sense. Is he like one of those awful Transformers that they, they turn into something that's not fun to play with? <laughs> Technically, a lot of kids like playing with cardboard boxes rather than the actual um, item inside. Oh, I mean, having a cardboard box versus playing with a piece of plastic that turns into a box is very different. What if he turns into a cardboard box? I mean, if it's real cardboard, then yeah. But if it's plastic, <laughs> no. Anyway. Anyway. I love that Blink is in overalls for some reason. Yeah, she's she's like super casual. It's like a super casual Friday or something at the uh, Alpha Flight Mansion. Because everyone's yeah. just, you know, apart from um, Blink, who, who, not Blink, Nocturne, who's in that weird stuff that she stole from that planet one, not the first planet, that weird brown leather bathing costume. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, so um, we've jumped from all of this hijinks to some actual character work between the two uh, John Proud stars, where we find a lot, a lot more out about our John and uh, what happened to him and how he doesn't have a sense of taste, which I think is kind of sad because Apocalypse doesn't think that a sense of taste is necessary um, in being war. And we also find out that his skin. It's more like plates, and he can retract them. And when he retracts them, he's all weirdly cybernetic underneath. I actually it's really enjoyed cool. that panel that showed all of, uh, the circuitry going. I really like it. I also really like the fact that um, the way his face is, like the like the, the only pieces of flesh he kind of has is still broken up, which still makes him look mental. But I do actually like this. This I really liked all of this. This is really good sort of getting to know our um, big guy which you know we need to and then um, good old Hulk joins in on the conversation and he's all like Hulk Hulk's been experimented on Hulk loves the third person Hulk likes Monster Man and they nearly get to him but <gasps> pesky Sabretooth and Cyborg Deadpool are in, in the trees waiting and they shoot Hulk in, in the back of the head which obviously because Hulk's not the brightest mm-hmm in the uh, shop decides it's all uh, all Arjun's fault and uh, attacks them all. So this is I, I hate seeing the same thing happen over and over again. I feel like this is just playing on the same Hulk trope that we always see. He's about to turn and then someone pokes him and, and suddenly he's he's all angry and he, it's like I'm, I'm sick of this. I don't do this anymore. It's the yeah it, it is dull. <laughs> it's, it's like dull. you knew this was going to happen. Like as soon as you saw Sabretooth there, you're like, yep, okay, he's going to shoot Hulk as, as he's calming down and then Hulk's going to freak out. It yep. was like you could read this coming from a mile away, which was disappointing uh, for me reading this issue. Um, I don't necessarily need to be surprised by anything, but like having the trope be so apparent from so far away, it's it's... You know, I was a little disheartened. Would it, would it have been prefer- preferable if he just fucking raged appeared in front of them? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe I, he just appeared in front of them enraged already. It, it may have been made... I may have enjoyed that more, <laughs> to be honest. Like I, I, Or I would have enjoyed if they actually would have brought him in. And, um, you know, they're bringing him in and they get ambushed. And so then he has to, like, get angry to, like, fight his way through uh, Weapon X. Yeah. And then that 
in his rage there he ends up like hitting some of the exiles as well because he's he's enraged but you know at least that would be a slightly different um but uh yeah hulk goes crazy and what happens then well as hulk goes crazy on our two johns we cut to uh snake skin boot wearing steel coat toe capped wolverine um as he's just kicking it back telling everyone that oh i've sent these guys have said that everyone's gonna die so i've sent them all off and then um is it heather hudson has the actual logical step of well what if you sending everyone off gets everyone killed mm-hmm. so they all target to each other but they're interrupted by random alpha flight member red chested girl um and she's like there's a hulk we need to go and so everyone jumps into action and we cut back to um both our john's fighting and well hulk gets the upper hand on thunderbird until um something slightly unexpected happens we have this beautiful some of the some of this um uh we're having narration in a lot a lot of narration in this issue some of it's working some of it doesn't but i do think when they're talking about the qualities apocalypse wanted in his war and talking about like the idea of what war is um, I think it does work a little bit, especially when it does the whole um, what can be unpredictable and quite deadly as well. And uh, the, it reveals that Thunderbird has turned into some sort of monster, literal monster with Stegosaurus plates on his back and a tail. And yeah, he's full on, he's full on Hulk out as well and goes on a full on rage fest and beats the holy hell out of the Hulk and wins until um, the other John can calm him down, essentially. Mm-hmm. And how do you feel about this whole sequence of him basically turning into some weird, giant, spiny monster? You know, what I like about this issue is that we get <clears throat> some more backstory into John, as you mentioned, and we get to see what exactly was done to him by Apocalypse and why. And I feel like the narration works, works in the scene for the most part. It's not like... It's not super wordy, which I think no, no. really helps. And it, you're not like covering up any artwork with words. It's it's just sort of like addendums to what you're seeing on the screen to like excite, accentuate what, what's happening. Um, and I, I feel like the artwork, for the most part here, works as well, uh, the fight scene. Um, I I don't quite like the, the, the two panels that have sort of focused on the Hulk's face. And Shaman's face, uh, I don't feel like it, it works with the rest of the art style, but uh, the actual fight scenes I'm enjoying. Yeah, I think the problem here is, I do think the artist has, I don't know, some some things just don't look right. And it's mainly faces, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. They just feel a bit off here and there. Yeah. Um, I mean, if I we jump like... back to, was it Sunfire's face looks terrible. Oh my uh, god, yeah. But that that lineup shot is actually a bit weird, and like yeah, like that's said, what I mean. Yeah, Wolverine just doesn't look right at all in last issue, and he's only just sort of looking like Wolverine in certain panels of this right, one. Right, right. So um, no, I, I the reason I like this issue is mainly because of everything that happens with John, because we cut from this whole John, like beating the Hulk up and then turning you know turning back normal because of the other one, uh, to Weapon X about to pounce on them because they're going to take them to be part of the Weapon X project. 
Um, and then, dum dum dum, twist. The rest of the exiles turn up, and we find out that the Sabretooth is not from this world, as it was slightly, we were led to believe, but it's actually from Blink's world, the Age of Apocalypse. Right. And that he knows about the Talus. Because he has one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because he has one. And she's, he's all like, she's alive. And then we have this epilogue where um, level D of the Alpha Flight facility is holding the Hulk. Everyone's chatting with each other. There's a really nice uh, joke about Susan Richards mm-hmm. knocking up, which I thought was kind of a nice taste. The nice nice in-joke in, in the universe. Um, and there's a really nice bit between like just describing what's happening with everyone. And I do like the, the panel with Mimic and Northstar where um, he's just mimicking uh, Northstar's flight and speed just to add to his arsenal. Right. To replace the one he lost, basically. And also, stops him from draw- stops the artist from drawing wings all the time. Yes. Um, <laughs> and everyone has a little bit of a party, and then we go back to our Weapon X, uh, where we find out a little bit more about um, the fact that they seem to also be on a dimension-hopping quest. But for what, we do not know. And that's the end. That is the end. You know, this, this Sabretooth uh, is... The Sabretooth from Age of Apocalypse, I really enjoyed. He felt very much like a Wolverine surrogate in, in those stories. Uh, he had a relationship with Clarice that felt very much like Logan's relationship with Kitty or with Jubilee, you know? And uh, their mother... Mother... <laughs> Mother-daughter does well, not work. Yeah. <laughs> their father... Works. Well, it's fine. <laughs> their relationship in that book was great. You know, when he, he like, sacrifices himself to save everyone... Um, oh, that bit where she sees him strung up and yeah. his chest is bit out. Yeah, Amazing X Men. That Amazing X Men is actually one of the better X Men books, just in general. Not just Age of Apocalypse, just generally. Right. Oh a yeah. X- so. So I like, I like having him coming back. Um, um, and I'm eager to see what happens, you know, moving forward. Uh, theme wise, I think it's great to get more, more, you know, John Prodstar. See what's going on with him give him a little bit of a personality um the artworks it's better than than last issue but not not great but um uh, i think last last issue had more uh, egregious uh errors if, if that's the correct term for how characters were looking but this was an all-around more enjoyable issue aesthetically uh story-wise um it doesn't you know reinvent things or do anything amazing but it it, it moves the plot forward and uh, it ends the story in a nice nice place. What did you think overall? I think it's like um, it's, it's bread and butter exiles. It's mm-hmm. the exiles we can't know mm-hmm. where the world's intrinsically linked to one of our actual characters in, in, in emotion if not like a specific way, in an emotional way. In this it's very specific to John because he sees a mirror of himself um, right. and we witness his transformation which is a very important turning point for him as a character for us and also we're thrown a curveball that we now know there's another team that jumps through dimensions which is a massive plot point to end the book on essentially sure um and now and now now a lot of people like when i first read it a lot of people would be like are they going to meet like are we are we going to get that moment in time right so um, hopefully, 
<laughs> like I haven't read it before. <laughs> Hopefully we'll get to see it. Um, but no, I thought it was quite uh, art-wise. I'm a bit probably a bit more. I'm going to be a bit more down on it. I think there's a lot of moments in it where, um, like you said about the panels about faces and stuff, where it, I don't know if it's the colouring or not, but it sort of just brings it. It feels too light a lot. Where we're talking about this guy's transformation into this embodiment of death, and I know it's because his costume is pretty light-hearted, I suppose, but it just feels very bright. I know it's a sunshine battle, but very, very bright and very vibrant, and I just feel like it's a little bit out of tone with the rest of it. But other than that, it's a, it's just it's a good like finale to this two-parter, and I'm looking forward to seeing where we go next. Yeah. All right. So. A general thumbs up, uh, as, as you mentioned, Bread and Butter Exiles. So that was Exiles number six. Uh, next, we're going to move on over to Excalibur number five. Yes. With writer Chris Claremont, penciler Alan Davis, cover artist Alan Davis. So what do we have on the screen here? Or on the screen, what do we have on the cover here? Well... I'm reading it. Uh, you might be on the screen. I'm not, um, unfortunately. We have a hot pink Excalibur logo and a whole lot of mayhem. And um, Arcade's just laughing with tears of joy on his face. So we've got like crazy mutated Megan punching clocks that look like pies. We have a clown kicking Nightcrawler in the ass and Megan sending him flying. We have Lockheed chasing a woman. We have a lot more clock people. Uh, we have Captain Britain being wrestled by a robot and um, that Tweedledum dude. And then we have the Grim Reaper and the Queen of Hearts running after, um, I assume it's Alice, which is Courtney Ross. In this crazy... It's certainly different <laughs> from the last one. Yes. Certainly a massive change of face. It's all I very like Alice in Wonderland and crazy and wacky, just like uh, I enjoy my Ex Excalibur to be. Yep, because it's even got the rocket, like a rocket in the background, and the sign that says danger this way and danger that way. Um, and I like to believe that that pink thing that she's running past is a macaroon, but it's probably not. Like a giant macaroon. But that's probably because I'm hungry. Oh, it does look like that, <laughs> doesn't it? Oh, it totally does. Yeah. And even in above the Excalibur, you have, like, inverted um, chimneys and, like, upside-down... It looks like an upside-down room. A lot is going on, essentially. A lot. <laughs> I love... She's running by a sign and to the side. <laughs> Courtney's running by a sign, uh, and it's a sign that has arrows pointing left and right, and they both say danger. <laughs> like, right. no matter where you go, there's danger. I know, it's, it's nice. I do think it's interesting that the colour of certain people in this front cover is different to the actual insides. Right, right. The is wearing red, not blue, and such forth. But, you know, what can you do? Uh, so last issue, we left off with um, Excalibur... Excaliburs. We don't have... Like, we have our X-Men. What do we call the collective members of Excalibur? They the Excaliburs... The Excalibur, the Excalibur people. Excalibur. Just Excalibur? I don't know. How do you collectively call that? <laughs> anyway, uh, the, the team that is Excalibur have had their bodies uh, swapped 
Courtney's been captured, and uh, they're all in Arcade's murder world. Um, and Courtney was, was telling jokes and doing a pretty good job entertaining the crowd in her sexy, I don't know, Marilyn Monroe outfit until she is shot down a slide, uh, stripped, thrown into like an Alice in Wonderland uh, outfit, and spends the rest of the issue just running for her life. Um, which I, 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 you know, this, these Excalibur books do a lot to really hint at the sexuality of the female characters. And a little, you know, kind of the men as well. We had that, uh, the bath scene with Kurt, and we get to see mm-hmm. uh, Brian, like, shirtless and, like, beefcake a good bit of the time as well. Uh, do, do you feel like it's doing, like, uh, a good job of focusing on both sexes here? Yeah, I think the only problem is, <laughs> is Paul Megan. But, <laughs> <laughs> that's just a constant issue. But no, I do feel like the, there was a distinct sort of attempt to address everyone in the room. Mm-hmm. And even with Megan in this issue, they try to address the Brian and Megan uh, equation because <laughs> it's not a relationship. Yes, um, yes. They try. They address everything, and I think it's quite. I think it's quite lovely that they do go out of their way to um, make everyone, even Courtney, sort of like uh, a capable person. Yeah. Uh, you know, I felt. I think it's quite nice. And I love this splash page this double splash page that's uh, like all rainbow colored uh, after said, Courtney has landed in the murder world it looks it looks like Easter on acid <laughs> and I love it's arcade presents with Stanley crossed out oh yeah <laughs> um, and I do like the thing they keep off the path and then if you actually you actually go near the the grass it's like little arrows going way to die way to die way to die and it's just everywhere and then there's a snowman in the background and there's a tiny cat next to a milk um, urn that's been fought, uh, dropped over there's a rocket crashed into a pink building um that looks like a bishop that's been hollowed out as like a giant statue there's literal easter egg yes. on one of the buildings yeah you know it's it's it, insane we could say that Davis does a, a he puts a lot of detail into his backgrounds as well. Uh, something that really ties in with uh, the most recent Exiles uh, issues that are also super detailed and require a number of, of views before you really handle everything that's that's going on. But I think this this double page from Excalibur is is just super gorgeous. Um, but and, and I just want to like. Uh, point out that um, Glennis Oliver, the color artist, is just doing a fantastic job. Oh yeah, all the way through, um, from like coloring the rainbow sky, <laughs> the sort of rainbow every color sky, yes. to the individual characters, and like, yeah, between like and the fact that Dave, the way Davis has drawn everyone, uh, with our um, heroes being possessed in different <laughs> fashions, and Kurt, the way Kurt stood is just. It's going to be my wallpaper for my phone, I think. Um, <laughs> it's brilliant. And I do like how Megan, whoever's possessing Megan, just doesn't like the body that she's in. Because um, it's all gooey and shapeshifty. So I think it's just really interesting. And <laughs> the Queen of Hearts, or whoever she is, has like the best angry face. <laughs> um, Ever. So... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, so the Queen of Hearts says orf of her head off with their heads and it's it's time for the excalibur burrs to be chased by oh what is it it's not the nasty crew that's not, i think that's a wrestling group what is this the uh 
Is this the last? It's something gang, isn't it? The nasty yeah. gang. Yeah, I can't remember now. But uh, they are uh, fighting back and forth. Courtney goes for a run and just basically spends the rest of the issue just running for her life from one trap to another. Um, Pretty much. It's the crazy gang. There you go. There we go. Thank you. But then we cut to the control room where Arcade is upset because he's he's not enjoying this for some reason. Yeah. You know, sometimes when you torture people, you're supposed to enjoy it. Um, he's clearly unhappy. I love how drab the, the like the actual room is as well. It's sort of like it's part of his mood, right? And I love how he sits in a throne with an A on the top of the chair. I was about to mention that it's very um, Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> that guy's got an A on his chest as well on his T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! So he's not happy. Uh, and then Kitty shows up. Uh, messes up the control panel by phasing through it, pulls Arcade into Murder World, and leaves her dragon behind to watch over things. And I love that the dragon, like, giggles as he's sitting on top of the control panel. Lockheed just gets better and better. I love his design as well. Mm-hmm. Generally looks really lo- lovely. But yeah, I, I like the-, the scene a little bit later with Lockheed, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, yes, totally. There's a couple scenes with Lockheed that are wonderful here, uh, but as because Kitty has faced through the control panel and screwed everything up, things are all topsy turvy inside of Murder World. Up is down, left is right. Panels are not not like panels in the book, but almost like wood paneling and walls are tumbling and moving all over the place. And so um, Courtney is scrambling to make her way through this like Escher painting um, as Death who is the uh, phoenix merged with a death character. Um, I don't yes, know. If we, we, do we even have a name for that character before they merged? No, I, and he was like a robot as well, and I think he blew up, didn't he? Or right. something. Yeah. So she spends the whole issue trying to cut Courtney with an axe. Um, and Shadowcat has fun just teasing uh, <laughs> Alvin here. And um, I love that the death is going after him as well, and uh, takes a little bit too much off the top. That's really nice. <laughs> uh, it's actually really hilarious. Yeah. I do. I like the little panel where um, Courtney thinks she's like sort of uh, got one up, and Evil Nightcrawler's in the background as a shadow, just smiling. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we can praise the art team enough for this book. Uh, like no. Every issue Something. we've read so far has been amazing. Yeah, and this book is just something else, to be fair. So, uh, Courtney gets gets taken by Nightcrawler's body, who was possessed by the, uh, not the clown, uh, the jester. Um, and Kitty installs uh, some sort of program into Murder World that, that she and Doug Cypher came up with uh, that leads into more craziness. Arcade puts on like a Spartan helmet. Uh, he finds like a machine gun somehow and he's like ready to go at people. Uh, like the, the number of ideas that are in this book blow my mind. The fact that the mouse in the, the teapot's called Penfold excites, it just makes me laugh. <laughs> um, yeah, and the fact that we see uh, Jester Kurt with some um, swords to swashbuckle his way get his body back is a nice little touch 
with the James Bond secular saw thing going on while Courtney's laying on. Yes. And I, I don't just, know I why. Love, I love that so much at I, the end where she's like, now's the time. Yeah. But I don't even know why our kid saves her. Like, what's the point? I thought he fights to kill everyone and then he saves Courtney for some reason and asks for a smooch. I, I, like, it's, it's such like, it feels very out of character for me. Um, but the, the, I love the panel afterward where she punches him and he goes like flying backwards, almost super cartoon like. It's great, and then she's like trips over all the stuff and then lands on a rocket that fires out. Of course, <laughs> of course. I, I just think it was just like he just wants to because he fan, he kind of sent he sort of fancied her in the last the last issue anyway. Mm-hmm. When he's telling jokes, so maybe he's just sort of like, oh, I'll just do it. He is insane, so. Oh, he is, yeah. Uh, back in the control room, um, our baby dragon is watching over things. One of Arcade's minions uh, puts on some like flame-resistant armor, goes to uh, like expunge the, the fire, um, but then gets gets beat up pretty good. Runs away until um, what's her name? I have no idea, but she's about to flirt with a dragon. <laughs> yes. Uh, Arcade's uh, second in command here, which who reminds me a little bit of uh, I, I almost want to say Lady Sith, but that's not right, and I don't want to say Lil- Lilith, but that's not right either. But the uh, the woman who was Skeletor's uh, number two, Evil Lynn, Evil Lynn, she's very Evil Lynn to me. Yes, uh, goes to flirt with Lockheed so she can try and escape, which is hilarious. <laughs> this dragon has. Has he's got the hots for this? This evil henchwoman gets better. <laughs> gets better. Yeah. So the um, you know, they're all fighting. Craziness just ensues moving forward. Uh, people on rockets flying around. People's bodies switching back and forth until they all land in a concert for a collective group of sentient cream pies. Uh, yes. And I want to ask you, uh, there's like a band that's ready to play. Is this referencing anything? Because uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't parse it out. I, can't, I, can't, I have no idea. At, at first I was like, is this like, um, what's the name? Leela Cheney or whatever? Right, the, right, the right. I was like, is this this? But I just think it's just a band that plays the sentient bass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the most amazing. It's just pure insanity. Yeah. Um, so everyone falls on the cream pies there's a whole cream pie bloodbath happening as this band is playing up on stage until finally uh, Courtney is able to use the body switching equipment to uh, switch our Burrs back into their regular bodies and they promptly uh, dispose of the crazy gang Um, and at the end uh Kitty has to phase into the Phoenix uh, to awaken Rachel, um, who totally obliterates all the pies, and then things are, quote-unquote, back to normal. Uh, Yeah, pretty much. What do you think of all, like, I skipped over, not skipped over, but sort of blew through about four pages of just wacky pie-fighting weirdness, but what do you think about all this? Um... I can only imagine the descriptions of the people listening are like, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> but if you saw some of these panels, like, 
There's a panel where um, Nightcrawler and um, the Jester are swinging, fighting each other, while Arcade's falling into the pie um, arena, and everyone else is falling. And it's just be- it's just beautiful. And then there's another panel just below, and just that poor pie that's like, it's a nightmare! Um, <laughs> like, his face is, is just fantastic, whereas everyone else is just, there's just pies being skewered, the head's lopped off punched in the mouth, being sliced apart, and then there's angry pies trying to fight in to fight. And then there's a pie holding... The next panel's got a pie holding a little flag that says peace on it. Right. <laughs> it's trying to run away, yeah. And it's so insane, and it's lovely that the characters... Because uh, uh, while this is happening, the characters are kind of like, this is mad, but we just have to escape, essentially. And like, there's a really nice um, moment between Kitty and Courtney, which is really, like... Push, like gives them a relationship essentially in the book mm-hmm. and I just I just love like when they do swap powers like Megan gets really angry and just punches that guy right through just, just knocks him right out immediately and it, and like you said they all get the upper hand um, and only Rachel's left slicing pies in half um, essentially and it's it, 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 it's so fast as well like the whole book is running at us super mind-boggling pace yeah obviously read, obviously read 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 a speed but it just doesn't slow down like at one minute you're in like a lair and Courtney's about to get buzzsawed to death then we're in space wars and then we're here and then we're in pies and there's a band and then everyone's back to normal and <gasps> the end essentially <laughs> Take a breath and we can start talking about everything else that's happened. <laughs> yes, it is like race to the end, uh, high speed action in, in the best way possible. I was just turning pages, uh, quote unquote, digitally to, to see what was going to happen next. I do love the, um, you know, where everyone's outside with the police and everyone's talking about stuff. And obviously Megan's like, oh, it's okay. She's cold. She's not immune to like cold like the rest of us. So it's okay that Brian's completely putting her in, in, his entire attention into Courtney and not me. Um, and all this jazz. And I really like the wasn't this fun with Arcade looking at us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really nice, like, sort of nod, like a breaking of the fourth wall almost. Is this also the page with Lockheed that you wanted to talk about? Oh, no. It was the, it was the, the page with Lockheed was when he's um, fighting that guy where... He's like coughing and spluttering uh, the fire extinguisher, and then mm. all of a sudden he's won. And in the background, he just looks like he's about to just go off on one again. <laughs> and I just, I just love that entire, I love that entire sequence, especially when uh, Evil Lynn is all like, "Lockheed," with the love hearts around the. Um... <laughs> well, I love that Kitty's like shaming him, scolding him afterward. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's really. <laughs> I just love his little face there as well. Whoopsie! Yeah, <laughs> but it, it doesn't. It doesn't end there either. They've got out of Meadowvale, but it just keeps going. Mm-hmm. Um, so Courtney's home. She's like, you know what? That was fun. I'm gonna walk around in like the most revealing white dress with an overcoat in my apartment that is normal to wear. I'm gonna do my best, like white queen impersonation, um, and leave my front <laughs> door unlocked for some reason. <laughs> Until someone comes in with, like, uh, a noodle strainer with a hanger and, like, a clock all strapped to it. Uh, it looks like it's a, 
I want to say it's like a reference from a movie, almost like a Back to the Future reference or something. It's uh, a reference because this is the woman. Remember that guy who like thought aliens was real and walked through the portal from the little robot. Oh right, right, right. It's a reference from to him, I believe, because I'm sure he had that sort of stuff on. But it also feels just like something I've seen out of like an '80s movie before as well. Yeah. And we get a zap um, as Courtney. Something's happened to Courtney with uh, as as this other woman has come into the room. Do we know who this is yet, Dan? Um, I think we're about to get it revealed in like a couple of pages' time before the end of the issue. So after the zap, we're at the Flying Finish instead of the Flying Dutchman, I guess. Yeah, uh, which is a local pub, and uh, Nightcrawler and Brian are having a drink and sort of just trying to sort some stuff out. Uh, Nightcrawler is in the most wonderful, I don't know, is this like a leather coat with a big fur collar? I want it to be. <laughs> Blue jeans, and the weirdest, not the weirdest, but how would you describe his hat here? Um, it reminds me of sort of like a, almost like a, I've seen these hats before. They exist. But it reminds me of like a flat cap, but like the top part of it's been filled with air. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I don't know, it just, it's, it's <laughs> with his aviators, he is so incognito. No yeah. one would even know. No, you would never know. That's probably... That's why he dresses so crazy, because no one will notice the blue skin. They'll just be like, what the hell is that guy wearing? <laughs> and, and, and Nightcrawler and Brian are going over Brian's relationship with Megan slash Courtney and what he should be doing. And, you know, Nightcrawler's like, you gotta have to figure this out, son. And Brian flies away after they've had a, a couple of drinks. And what happens at the end? Well, Brian seems to recognize this woman who isn't Courtney... Um, calls her, is it Satin or Satan? Yeah, Saturn, yeah. Um, and then he kisses her with, and the, uh, but on the floor is like a burnt shadow mark. Um, on the floor. <laughs> but he yeah. kisses her and it's all like, no! Well, he thinks it's Courtney, but that she just reminds him of Saturn for some reason. And he's he's come with flowers as well, so it, it's almost like in his his mind he's decided he wants to be with Courtney. Because to be fair, what he does say is that, and I think it's a bit harsh, but like Megan, Megan is it's too much of a responsibility for someone to need him completely. Well, it almost is like this is almost what we want as well because we feel that Megan works better with Nightcrawler, they get along better, um, and Courtney and, and Brian seem like a better match to be honest. Pretty much. They seem to actually have personality together. Yeah. Um, but uh, they go for, for a kiss, and then next up, Goblin Knight. Oh, and this is why I'm going to say, oh dear, because next stop is a crossover. The very first one the book is ever going to, is going to have. Uh, with Inferno. Okay. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Fighting. I'm excited, obviously. Yeah, but uh, you know, what did you what did you think of of this issue, Dan? <clears throat> I I loved it. it. It is insane. Um, it actually has a lot of it has a lot of like character in the art, but it, it does a lot with with Kitty and the stuff at the end with Kurt and Brian was actually quite unexpected. To be fair, mm-hmm. 
after everything you've just seen, it's like, oh, by the way, in this one sort of scene, we're going to cover a load of ground between these two these two guys. Um, even though we've just just given you pies being slaughtered by the dozen and murder world on crack. <clears throat> so it's quite nice to have like it end on such a different note. So the book doesn't feel like this one crazy zany road trip. Yeah. But I just really liked it. It's just a great issue. Yeah, no, I loved it as well. Um, not a whole. I mean, there is some character stuff that they, they throw in there as well at the end, but it's it's just like a, a fun, wacky issue uh, with amazing artwork, and um, I just had a blast reading this. Yeah. Alrighty. So uh, a nice issue of Exiles, a nice issue of Excalibur, and on to the the final piece in today's. Excalibros and Excalibabes meal. We've got Exiles number four uh, from 2018. Uh, do you want to go over the uh, creative team here, Dan, or do you want me to do it? <laughs> Is it a challenge? Um, uh, no, I mean I'm being I'm being courteous here. Do you want me to take over for that piece, or um, is it you want to give it a, give it a go? You you can take over. You've done all the creative team stuff. So It'd be almost like breaking a winning streak, isn't it? Three. <laughs> Like, okay. Isn't that a hat trick? Oh yeah, go we have for the hat trick. Um, Alright. So, um, Exiles number four. We've got writer Saladin Ahmed, uh, penciler Javier Rodriguez, inker Alvaro Lopez, colorist Chris O'Halloran, and letterer VCs Joe Caramagna, uh, with the cover by David Marquez and Matthew Wilson. Um, so what's on the cover, Dan? The cover is, and I didn't notice for a little while, the cover is um, No Worthy, Valkyrie and Blink all tied up. And um, we've got a Blackbeard, who is actually the thing, and he's all like, nobody trusts in the waters of Blackbeard the pirate. And even though Little Worthy's like, you're the thing, you're supposed to be nice. I didn't even click on it was the thing for like <laughs> right, a right, good right. five minutes while I was looking at it, because I wasn't reading the words. Um, I really like it. I think it's quite fun. Yeah, I mean, Marquez and, and Wilson are just killing it on the cover again. Uh, it's it's super fun. I, I love how they draw Little Wolvie uh, as well. And <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a great preview for what's about to come up in the issue. Yeah. Yes, so, it is. Uh, where, where did we leave off last issue, Dan? Everyone and everything blew up in a nuclear explosion. Mm-hmm. But alas... Alas? Our hero... Alas, our heroes are fine. <laughs> but too bad, our heroes are fine. <laughs> yes, pretty much. Um, and so we have our traditional sort of... I've forgotten what this guy's called now. The Unknown. Um, Nick Fury in space. With uh, I actually generally thought that in the middle they were like gorilla feet and not his own feet and tattered things. I just thought that was just <laughs> Um, so we have this really interesting panel, um, one-page spread of like Nick Fury and look what looks like the Howling Commandos, classic Nick Fury, on the right-hand side, um, and it's all blocked out in chains. As and then we have the nuclear ex- um, mushroom crowd on the left-hand side, and we have a knocked-out blink right at the bottom with the um, space Nick Fury because I totally forgot his name um, in the middle, telling us everything that's happened so far. And so um, 
Valkyrie's Pegasus wakes Blink up with a lick, and they seem to be on a little island somewhere. Mm-hmm. Everyone's fine and dandy, and having a nice little chat, but the talus is gone. It's, uh, it's not just gone, it's like exploded, right? Vanished, it's, yeah, it's off a wrist completely. Mm-hmm. And poor Wolvie has a little cry, which is adorable, and everyone's fine, and Valkyrie's all like, fevery most foul! Um, when she finds out about the talus. And then uh, we have a guy run up to them off the beach who's like, help me please, and then um, he's like, I'm getting chased by slave catchers, and we have this astonishing panel of some of the most just horrifically looking evil people holding chains and with dogs frothing at the mouth and they're just running after and it's um, more uh, it, yeah it's of it's it's of the times um, yeah you evil British redcoats trying to enslave everybody I know I am not proud of our past um, <laughs> um, yeah and then Valkyrie does the only thing anyone logic, anyone with any fucking sort of humanity has and just flies at them, teeth grinning, uh, and just beats the holy hell out of them. Um, and Blink and um, Grizzled Khan decide to jump into the fray as well. I'm going to say Grizzled Khan so much until um, they actually add it as a part of dialogue in the book. Therefore, my life will be vindicated forever and ever and ever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my... Thing and so, our exiles save this guy from the evil slave catchers, and that's when Blackbeard the Thing turns up, the ever blue-eyed Blackbeard, um, in his little rowboat with his little boat in the background, and they, you know, they have a get get a little bit of a chat, and Ben already knows that they're not from around here because he also got lost in this time period when they had a little time travel incident with the Fantastic Four and he decided to stay behind. And that's an actual callback to a, a real uh, Fantastic Four story, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because it feels like... It, like I, haven't, I didn't do my research. Silly me. But um, this feels like... Because the panels change artistically mm-hmm. to mimic sort of that old classic style. And it does feel like it is a callback to something that has happened. And often Exiles stories were callbacks to sort of events that happened before. So right, right. Nice, yeah. Previous events, but slightly changed. Like this happened and they saved the day, but what if they this happened and they didn't save the day? And then that's the world that they, they travel to, something like that. Yeah, and this one's what happened if the thing stayed behind, right. essentially. Right. And so he's, he's saving all, you know, he, he's taking it to the slavers. And saving everyone, as many people as he can. Because, you know, that's what the thing does. And um, this is where we find out that, like, you know, Blink wants to go and find out where the rest of the Talus is. I think I may have skipped ahead because uh, Iron Lad can detect the energy wave of the Talus. I think you may have skipped ahead because... um, Well, no, no, you're right, you're right, you're right. And just before they decide to do anything, Falcon turns up, and yes. he looks amazing. I love that there's a Falcon in this time, and that he can fly with the same like old school Falcon suit with the deep cut V uh, on the chest. I just love his boots so much. Oh his yeah, boots are something else. I would wear those boots. Um, anyway, um, moving on. Falcon turns up, and they find something a bit weird because there's a Miss Barnes on the ship, which looks almost like the. Uh, Ms. Barnes from World War Two that they met in the previous 
mm-hmm. timeline. Pretty much the same, almost. And so they're all discussing what they should do. And um, they're essentially like, we should probably help them, even though we can go get the Talus. And that's when Misty turns up with her amazing hook hand. Um, yes. She's just, she looks astonishing. She does. With an afro as well, of course. I know. Like the biggest afro ever. <laughs> the signature afro. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have like basically have a party and everyone's having like a good time and then that's when they're like let's go and take on the main bad guy essentially and it's because he's got a book that allows him to do stuff and that book allows him to control and I've never thought I'd ever hear anything interesting to do with the juggernaut but the juggernautical yes well before we get to that I I love the panel where they have everyone not everyone but uh, Grizzlecar and Blink uh, Blackbeard are pouring over maps on what to do, and I love how Wolvie is just like barely trying to like sneak a peek at what the adults are doing. <laughs> yes, forever, forever keep your eyes on Wolverine um, in this book because he he just he is just doing his own thing because yes. he knows where he is. Yes, yes, exactly. And then we have one of the most astonishing double page spreads I've seen in a long time, as the Juggernautical tears its way through. And also, basically, it's just it's so beautiful. They encounter the Juggernautical, and in the space of the entire panel, he tears his way through them and is defeated. Yes. In a beautifully rendered sort of visual story that has little little panels, but tells it perfectly. If that makes sense. Oh, yeah. When I went over this with Jason, I almost compared it to, uh, to a Where's Waldo a page. Yes. Um, but it's where's little Wolvie? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, because there's so much like intricate action happening all at once, it just blows my mind to look at this. And just it, yeah. So basically, Blink, they win by Blink porting the bo- the book and throwing it into the sea. Um, that's how they win. The end. But it sounds simple. But we've got oh, I can't even explain. We've got Misty swinging. With a sword in her mouth, in one pay pa- panel, we've got um, Valkyrie and uh, Ms. Barnes just, and the Pegasus just driving their way through on th- at the top. We've got Wolvie freeing slaves with Iron Lad and Khan, and just a constant shift of Falcon flying through, and everyone's just doing their best. And it all ends with Valkyrie being squished a little bit. But I am the Juggernaut. It's just nothing. I've not seen anything like it in comics in a long time. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's glorious. And I love that Wolfie is able to speak Swahili. And Grizzlecon's like, how'd you do that? And he's like, oh, easy. I just use those bracket thingies. Like, he knows he's in a comic book. And he can just, like, <laughs> insert the brackets. And I'm speaking that language. Yes. And he looks at us as he says that. Yes. <laughs> so he knows what he's doing like, and then duh. we have a really then after that beautiful double page spread we actually have my favorite panel which is the huzzah panel mm-hmm. it's just gorgeous um everyone looks really good and it's just, everyone's just it's so lovely though i don't think little wolvie's there is he no alas no but yeah i don't know where wolvie is in that, that panel and i also want to point out that that the thing lost his beard so i'm wondering yeah. if that was all just 
it, it was a question I had earlier, like, can the thing grow hair? Because I'm pretty sure he couldn't. Uh, so I'm guessing that was all just like hair that was like tied to his his hat, uh, yeah. like some sort of like cheap Halloween costume. <laughs> and during the battle, it got knocked off. So now he's just back to being the thing again. Um, yeah. I also want to point out that everyone has those awesome pirate boots on in this panel. Yes. Pirate boots are the best. Right now. It's just a really powerful panel as well. It's got like, with all the fists um, mm-hmm. up as well. It's just, and everyone just working together to save the day. And everyone, and everyone raises their arm except for Khan, who's just like smug satisfaction. Well, yeah. She's too grizzled. <laughs> she's too, she's too grizzled. Too grizzled to uh, celebrate. All right. And after the celebrations, you know, um, Iron Lad points out that yeah, we probably should carry on because the time ke- time eater could arrive any moment and spoil all of this joy. So they go to this rainbow whirlpool in the sky, and um, I just love the fact that he he didn't have a beard, but uh, the thing now has a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he. When he, he decided to stay, he asked uh, Reed to give him, like, a box of, like, Halloween, <laughs> like, hair and makeup. And just, he just randomly goes and changes. Like, he's got a different hat on now, too. It's almost like a... <laughs> it's like a, uh, what do you call it, the Three Musketeers hat? <laughs> yes. And he's got a different wig on, and he's got this, like, glorious mustache. It's, it's, I, it's like he planned ahead oh, when he decided to stay. He definitely planned ahead. And I do like the fact that they call out, like, um, he almost gives Iron Lad a sort of, uh, sort of, a sort of pat on the back for being a Richards. Um, oh, right, right. Because I didn't, I didn't know that his name, I, I totally didn't remember his name was Nate Richards. Right. So I was like, wow, cool. And then we have this really nice sort of idea of Iron Lad making, like, a little bubble for them to travel to the, to the depths to find the talus which blink does and quickly blinks it onto herself and they turn up into a place that just has random mirrors all over the the walls right and they can see they're on the moon because they can see earth and they're just wandering around until they notice that um there's a bunch of dead watchers serves them one right. of the mirrors yeah yep and one of the mirrors is playing the well the time eater on repeat and then they find <laughs> and then they find the time eater's head and mm-hmm. and that's kind of figured out but before we can tell anyone the culprit comes out anyway and it's some sort of it, well it is kang but it's like a weird mashup of kang and Gal- galactus and whatever else is happening chamber um yeah. whatever else is <laughs> It's like glorious surging of energy, horrific creature. I love it, yeah. And it's to be concluded. Ooh, so there we go. The end of our first story arc is next issue. It is. So, um, what did you think of the artwork? Oh my god, right. So we can't sing Excalibur Excalibur's praises enough. I just, this issue just blew my mind. Just it's beautiful, like the storytelling potential is off the charts. Like I generally, I don't understand how it could be so intricate and still be unbelievably clear mm-hmm. in what's happening. 
Right. Um, everyone looks fantastic. Everyone just all the colors are pop. The color work is is just beautiful. It, it pops. Uh, Pirate Pirate World's been my like Pirate World's my favorite aesthetic so far, even though all of them have been really good. And I just generally um, love every panel of this book. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to disagree with you. I, I, I mean, the artwork has been, you know, wonderful uh, from 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 the beginning. But I think here it, it reaches new heights of just amazingness. Uh, yeah, the, the color work is 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 amazing. Not just um, the intricacy of the actual artwork, but the the panel layouts are, you know, they've been sort of the standout for me. I and. You know, this issue doesn't disappoint as well. Um, there's, we get like a fun story. We don't get a lot of like character um, exploration so much in this issue. But you know, I'm I'm kind of fine with that. Uh, we've we've had a couple issues with that uh, previously, and I just enjoy. This is another page turner. You just keep going through to see what kind of amazing artwork and action are we going to see next, and we get the reveal of an old cosmic cane for. You know, a lack of a better term, um, and I'm just excited to see what's going to happen next. I I thought this was just bloody amazing. Bloody amazing, spoken like a true Englishman. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it is fantastic. I think the character work um, is really subtle, and it works really well because they're so they feel so defined now. But it's only like issue five, um, right. and uh, or four, sorry, and they feel really defined as people, even though we haven't really had too much about them. And I think that's just the the beauty of the whole like it, they're defined by the art and the, and and the script. They're not they're not just defined solely by. By the way, this person is angry because their world is blah 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 blah. You know, like there's not like a giant shovel of exposition down our throat. It's like Grizzle Khan will look at people with or you know with angry side eye or will like not celebrate like the rest of them. Mm-hmm. And that speaks volumes about her through her actions, and I think that's a great way of defining characters as well. So, I think the book and on yeah. on a whole is just no, amazing. You make an excellent point that the the characters are really defined by what they're doing as much as what they're saying, which is what good comics should be doing. If it's a visual exactly. medium, and single panels are supposed to tell you know a whole story, that that's what this creative team is doing so well and I'd be intrigued to learn what the creative process is like um, how much input is uh, selling the med giving in terms of I want you know these many panels and this to happen here or how much creativity is he giving uh, the art team to you know to come up with what they're what they're drawing here I'd love to know as well maybe we should ask him hmm uh so, um, I mean, eventually I'd love to get any or all of uh, the creatives on to discuss uh, the book and their process. Um, but what, what do you want to rate this book? Uh, just a reminder, we do a simple one, one to five uh, rating uh, on Excalibros. So what number do you want to give Excal... What do you want to give Exiles number four? I'm gonna give it five because it was just a joy. It's just a joy to read. It's it's a book that just it just jumps out at you no matter how many times I've read it. Yeah, I think 
we've said it a million times, and I'll say it again, the more I read these books, these issues, the more I love them. Um, so I'm going to give this a five as well. This was wonderful. And I'm really looking forward to uh, the conclusion of this first story. I'm, I'm interested to see how Nick Fury, uh, like the young Nick Fury, is going to play a part uh, in this last issue. And I'm wondering, are we going to lose any characters in this next uh, issue? Uh, what are the consequences going to be? And where do they move forward? Exactly. Awesome. We shall see. Well, Dan, that was a, a good trio of books we got to talk about today. I really enjoyed this. So that it was a fun little um, group to talk about, to be fair. Mm-hmm. So is there anything else comics-related you want to point out before we hit the road? Um... No, other than you should totally read Amazing X-Men from Age of Apocalypse because it's awesome. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, boy, I wish I knew who the art team was on that book. Joe Matt. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> Please read that, yes. <laughs> uh, there are certain Age of Apocalypse books that are gorgeous and certain that don't age as well. I would say Astonishing doesn't age very well. Um I, I really like the uh, the Gen X book because we have um, Chris uh, not Chris Anka that's the wrong person. Bacalo? Yes, uh, is is doing that. It, I think it's a really touching story. Uh, the Alpha and Omega issues are both pretty pretty amazing. Um, did you did you read the whole series? Yeah, I read every single one. Um, I was a big fan of the Excalibur one because it was Mystique and Nightcrawler, but the art is very 90s. Super 90s. Uh, but it was a great, like, mother-son uh, uh, sort of almost character study as well. Yeah. My least favorite were... Um, is it Factor X? Or is it about uh, the Summers yeah, yeah, the Factor X, yeah. And I didn't particularly care for... Um, oh, God. Uh, X-Man. Yeah. The, where, where Nate Gray comes from. Mm-hmm. But um, I didn't mind Wep- Weapon because Weapon X was set in Europe. Yeah, I really liked Weapon X. I think the artwork in there probably doesn't stand up either, but uh, I really did like that story of, of Logan and Jean being together. And I really like Gambit and the Externals. That mm-hmm. was a highlight for me. Oh, and the art's is, not too bad. That is very much like an Exiles book. <laughs> yeah. When they go to space. Yes, and, and a bunch of craziness yeah. happens, and then they have to do something wacky to save the universe. Yeah. Um, but I was wondering, did you read the, uh, there were two books, uh, they were, I think, over, oversized books that covered uh, basically the rest of the Marvel Universe characters all in Europe. I don't remember what they were called, uh, but they had like um, Fantastic Four characters that hadn't gotten their powers, and um, you know, they had like a Green Goblin character was in there, and Ben Grimm was one of the, uh, the major characters that showed up there. I never, I never read them. I literally just read the course, or well, I said course. I just read all the X books. <laughs> Nothing, none of the other. Right. Yeah. So I know they made loads of other stuff, but I never really. Cause they made sequels as well, and I just didn't. Oh, I, go back. Yeah, the sequels. Are, you know, I you know take or leave. But uh, you know, these other two uh, books were part of the of the full series. I forget what they're called, but uh, they're worth a read to see what like the other heroes were doing in Europe at the same time. Makes sense. I do like, is it Alpha and Omega? I do like the end, the final conflict. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. And even Alpha really, I think the artwork is nice and really sets up things really well. 
Alright. Yeah, so check out Age of Apocalypse then, definitely. There you go. That's a blast from the past. Yeah, uh, it's only 20 years old-ish, so go, go read those. <laughs> I mean, but to be fair, we are reading Excalibur, which is 30 years old, so it's, you know... Yeah, pretty much. Old doesn't mean bad. Nope, not old. It's classic now. Mm-hmm. That's what it means. All right, Dan. So uh, it was a lot of fun chatting to you about comics. I don't know if we'll we'll reconvene uh, with Jason in a couple of weeks, or if uh, you know you and I will just be doing another uh, Excalibur Rose and Babes uh, episode in a few weeks. But um, look for us shortly. Uh, where, where can everyone find us on uh, social media? It's on Twitter at Excalibur's Excalibur's one. It's easy peasy. Or you can just type Excalibur's into Google and we actually come up now. Oh, right. It's always nice. Yep. And you can find us on like iTunes, Stitcher, every other thing that you can possibly plug your ears into. Mm-hmm. Have you ever watched Bob's Burgers? Um, I know of it. I've never watched it. Bob's wife always goes, all right. Um <laughs> So is that your new catchphrase? <laughs> yeah, I just want to say that all the time. All right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been it's been a joy talking about good comic good comic books. It certainly has. Oh, so um, we did uh, sort of an addendum here. Uh, last time on the Snickcast, we did talk about uh, the wedding issue. Uh, <laughs> did you want to give any quick thoughts before we sign off? Oh my goodness. Um, don't get married, kids. Unless David Marquez is doing it for you. Then, yes. <laughs> All right, then. Um, it just looked, it looked beautiful by... And it read like an X-book, but I didn't really care for the plot at all. If there was one. I can't remember. Everyone was miserable, and then someone got married at the end. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Alrighty. Well then, um, everybody, that's uh, that's it from this week's Excalibros. We'll see you next time. See you later. Goodbye.